Demir's Ambulances is one of the largest, most trusted ambulance design and manufacturers in the world, with a vision to build safe, reliable, and efficient emergency vehicles to assist paramedics in saving lives. Demir's manufactures Type 1, 2, and 3 emergency medical and fire ambulances that set the bar for quality, innovation, attention to detail, and rigorous testing. To find a Demir's Ambulance Dealer in your region, visit www.demirs-ambulances.com. Your partner on the road, every day, on every call. Is your fire department prepared to face challenges like the turbulent economy, recruiting and retention, and funding? Level up and get the training and strategies you need on the issues that matter most at WAVE 2023. Featuring ESO Training Academy on April 11th through the 14th, 2023 in Austin, Texas. ESO, a leading provider of fire RMS and EPCR software, brings together national industry leaders, quality training, and experienced fire and EMS professionals for a unique conference experience that will inspire you to drive change within your organization and prepare for 2023's challenges. For a limited time, our listeners can use the discount code FIRETRUCK to save $100 on a full four-day conference pass. Don't miss this opportunity to learn from some of the nation's top experts in emergency services. Visit ESOWave.com to register today. That's E-S-O-W-A-V-E.com. See you in Austin on April 11th through the 14th, 2023. This podcast is brought to you by Flex 7 from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. Like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, empowered with the strength of enforced technology, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit tenkatafabrics.com slash flex7. Flex 7, powered by Enforced Technology, only from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. All righty. Well, good afternoon or good morning or good evening, depending on where you are listening from or when you're listening from. I welcome and thank you for listening to this episode of the Perspectives on Leadership podcast brought to you by Fire Engineering. Uh, my name is Steve Shaw. I'm very proud to be an assistant chief of Fort Lauderdale Fire Rescue. I'm also honored to be part of the Fire Engineering family as an author, presenter at FDIC and a host for this podcast. Um, I continue to be a student of leadership, and I'm grateful for this platform and for the, the value it provides those who will listen. The opportunity provides me to grow as a leader uh, within Fort Lauderdale Fire Rescue. I'm eternally gra uh, grateful to Fire Engineering for that. During the last conversation I had with Chief Holton, he mentioned that FDIC was a tactics conference, not just with firefighting, but with all things, leadership, training, mentorship, etc. And that no matter what we taught or presented or spoke on, we should always be focused on the tactical ways for our listeners and readers to model or deploy those ideals in the real world. So in that spirit and in his honor, I continue to focus on the tactics as well as the concepts. So once again, always thanking Chief Holton. Um, I continue to be fascinated by how our perspective uh, affects our ability to lead. Perspective is that lens which you view. Uh, your perspective can become the lens that other people view the world through. So call it what you will. Mindset, viewpoint, angle, perspective is a powerful tool in the toolbox of a leader. 
The goal for this podcast continues to be pretty straightforward, to take a concept or trait that we associate with leadership and take a deep dive down that rabbit hole. Our fire rescue service is filled with amazing leaders. Each have their own perspective on leadership. I want to pick their brains and allow them to provide as many tactical, deployable takeaways as possible for the listener. I'm forever grateful to Fire Engineering and Chief Holton and for my agency, Fort Lauderdale Fire Rescue, for allowing me to have this platform so I can do all my parts and passing it on to my brothers and sisters in the fire service. So today, I'd like to talk about professional development. Now, let me preface this. Um, I, I will always make the statement that I believe that our field, no matter how you put it, and for lack of a better way to put it, is a blue-collar job. We're always out there. We're pulling lines. We're throwing ladders. We're starting IVs. We're out there with people. Um, I also believe that we need to master the basics and strive to be the best at what we do, and that takes a robust training program. And we've had several discussions on this podcast, and there's tons out there in fire engineering on training. I believe that whatever we do, we must support the men and women in the field so they can take the best care of those who call us for whatever it is they call us for. But I say that with a caveat. Yes, we need to master the basics, but we cannot overlook the need to prepare our folk for future leadership roles that our fire service needs of them. Far too often, we find ourselves in positions that we have no experience nor preparation for. We often joke about the struggle we have in our fire service for succession planning. Every time I mention that topic, I get eye rolls and chuckles. Um, and I know because I've been there. Many of us have. We've all been there, uh, at least a lot of us, in situations where we're like, man, I didn't get the proper training or preparation for this. That said, I've also seen a growing trend in the fire service with members of our, our department and other departments and all across the country and internationally um, that are driving and striving for professional advancement. For example, um, I've seen many of our members and those in other agencies obtain advanced medical certifications and degrees ranging from their registered nurse all the way to a PA or an NP, nurse practitioner, or even a doctor. Um, for example, local to me in Palm Beach County Fire Rescue, just north of me, um, you have to get on the trauma hop, their, their, uh, their, um, their helicopter, you have to have your RN. That's just one simple example. Many firefighters are obtaining advanced degrees, such as bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, doctorate degrees in multiple areas, such as education and communication. Uh, also, the number of designations offered by the Center of Professional or Public Safety Excellence, the CPSE, such as chief fire officer, chief training officer, chief EMS officer, fire officer, that number keeps increasing every year. So in short, we are becoming more and more of a profession than ever before. And that's exciting. Recently, my new fire chief in Fort Lauderdale added professional development to my scope of, of responsibilities, and I'm excited about that. I'm taking this role very seriously and doing all that I can to research this massively important topic. And the first person I thought of when I started fleshing out this topic was Damon Simmons from Oakland. Um, every time I've talked to the Damon, we've always geeked out on our love for training, and I thought this would be the perfect topic for us to further geek out on. So a little bit about uh, Damon before I uh, give him the floor to say hi. Uh, Damon Simmons has been a proud member of the fire service for over 26 years. His career started with the Burlingame Fire Department in 1997. And in 1999, he was part of the first paramedic firefighter class for the Oakland Fire Department. He has served as firefighter paramedic, engineer, lieutenant, captain, training captain, battalion chief, training chief, and now serves as the deputy chief of support services for the organization. He enjoys giving back by serving as a member for various fire service affinity groups and teaching for the fire academy for aspiring firefighters at Merritt College in Oakland. Learning is a lifelong passion of his, and his advice to all of us is continue being students of the profession. 
Um, how I personally know DeMond, we've done a lot of work on the Hump Day Hangouts together, fire engineering. Uh, we, we chatted a lot during those. Um, I was also blessed that he actually uh, flew over here to Fort Lauderdale to help us out with one of our more recent promotional exams. And I will tell you a little plug for those things. If you have the opportunity to assist another agency with a promotional exam, please take it. It's a tremendous opportunity, and we're always looking for people uh, to help us uh, with those exams. So don't miss that opportunity. It's a tremendous opportunity. Uh, then before I give him the floor, the three things I thought of when I thought of DeMond. I first thought of East Coast versus West Coast, okay? And then I, I got me thinking about no matter where you go in the fire service, there's always those similar uh, mindseted people with similar interests, mindsets, goals, those people you kind of just gravitate towards. And I I, I I don't know how else to say it. I gravitate, I gravitate really heavily towards the mod. We have uh, we're very similar people, and uh, I enjoy our conversations. Um, the second thing I think of is growth mindset in education. What I mean by that is, and we're going to talk about this a little bit today, whether you're reading books by Carol Dweck on, on mindset or Ryan Gottfordson on success mindsets, um, I found myself reflecting on how many courses or classes I've attended when I was younger in the fire service in which the goal was simply to get a grade or a check in the box rather than learning, rather than true development. And I definitely want to unpack that idea with Demond as we go through our conversation. Last thing I thought of is something I hear him say multiple times is that concept of we're going to train two hours a day. Give me two hours a day in terms of training. And I love that there's an intent with that. And it reminded me back when I was at my firehouse before going to training on how the, the order was, the standard was we could train every day. And I think there's a, a ton of power in setting standards, setting expectations. And I wonder how that translates into what we're going to talk about today in terms of professional development. So, Devon, thank you for joining me. Um, it's a pleasure to have you, man. Steve, thank you. It's always an honor and a pleasure to be in the same company of you. Obviously, you know, you you are in Florida right now and I'm in the state of California, but nevertheless, we're still conversing, sharing information, sharing knowledge, not only from a personal perspective, not only to make Fort Lauderdale Fire Department better, Oakland Fire Department better, but to make the fire service as a whole that much better. And to echo some of the comments you made earlier, for that small segment of the fire service that will be listening to this podcast and to make this a little bit more digestible is that what we're talking about today is going to help the fire service continue to move forward as a proud profession. Number two, yes, this is still a blue collar profession. Yes, when we respond to structure fires, we still have to be ready, competent. We have to know how to deploy hose lines and put water on the fire, perform ventilation operations, and perform search operations. That will never change. And you will never hear a chief officer in the fire service say anything different. So if we can accept some of those foundational um, concepts that I just mentioned in terms of this being a blue, a blue collar profession, and whether you have a high school diploma or GED or a doctorate degree, those things will never change. Now, with that being said, what we're going to talk about today is how we as individuals and then collectively as member, current and future members of the fire service can continue moving forward. Yes, we are a great profession. There's no doubt about that. Yes, we have some innovative, smart, intelligent men and women in the fire service. 
Yes. And we need to continue doing those things under the auspice of growth, under the concept of enhancing firefighter safety and well-being. And then last, most importantly, to ensure that we are giving back, protecting, and serving the residents of our communities all across this world. I appreciate that intro, man. And you said it, you hit the nail on the head, man. And that's a perfect segue into what we're going to talk about today. So I'm excited about this, man. This is something that we're both passionate about. We're passionate about training, but we're also passionate about that that additional development that we that the fire service needs. So let's get right into it. So we're both geeks when it comes to training. We, we've, we've talked multiple times on multiple podcasts and on the phone together. Um, let's start talking about the similarities and differences between training, what's considered training, versus what is professional development. What, what are your thoughts on that? So, Steve, when I hear the word training, what comes to mind in me is hands-on, that hands-on aspect of the profession. As I just mentioned, pulling lines, throwing ladders, operating power tools, operating hand tools. When I use the word education, I'm talking about the learning aspect, such as reading, discussing something, being in the classroom. And so oftentimes, whether I'm writing an article or I'm communicating with the men and women in my organization, I always put the two words together, training and education. Now, you ask about professional development. When I look at the concept where I hear the, hear, hear the term professional development, <clears throat> training and education obviously <clears throat> encompasses that. Professional develop to me allows us to go down a couple different paths. Professional development, and as you mentioned earlier when we were talking offline, is from a horizontal perspective. I got an individual, he or she is a career firefighter. They have no desire to promote, to engineer, company officer, chief officer. And you know what? That's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with being a career firefighter. There's nothing wrong with being a career driver or engineer. So continuing on. And then professional development also encompasses those training and educational opportunities that include fire service specific themes and topics in KSAs, as well as topics, skills, KSAs that are not necessarily part of the traditional fire service discussion. As we were talking offline about when an individual, he or she transitions from working in a fire station to now working in an office. Well, when you work in an office, on your break, you're not out there throwing ladders, or you shouldn't be. You're not out there pulling the hose lines when you're in the office. There's a whole different set of skill sets that you need, whether you're working in an office as a training captain or training chief or some other aspect of the profession. So the professional development piece, which we talk about a lot in the fire service, and unfortunately, as a as a whole, we haven't quite arrived at that point to where every fire service organization, not only in the United States, but for the world for that matter, has a comprehensive professional development plan for individuals who want to remain in a current position as well as individuals who have a desire to promote. And as we all do, 
and 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 we have to do it. It's the right thing to do. We have to promote our organizations. My organization, Elton Fire Department, been around since 1869. Current fire chief, Dr. Reginald Freeman. One of the first things that he did when he when he came to the city of Oakland from Hartford is that through a labor management partnership, we collaborated and we put together the first ever comprehensive professional development program for the Oakland Fire Department, which encompassed training and education on those basics, those necessities, those things that we, the men and women who are riding on engines and trucks and rescue units, ambulance units across the fire service have to know and have to continue to practice. But he also forced us in a way to look at those other topics and themes and essentials that we need to, to, to uh, master and comprehend in order to go from a great organization to what Chief Simon, who hired me in the city of Oakland, Chief Gerald Simon, um, mentioned a world-class organization. Yeah, and I remember uh, Chief Simon, he, for a brief stint, came over here to Fort Lauderdale, if you remember, right. a, a while back. Yeah, so I definitely right. remember Chief Simon, appreciate him. Yes. Um, you know, you said a lot there, and I'm glad you you talked about a couple of things that I don't even know if we're going to have time to dive into, but you mentioned horizontal versus vertical. That speaks to me because, like you said, and that statement's powerful, it's okay to be a career firefighter. It's okay to be a career firefighter. That's a wonderful thing. We want those career firefighters with the institutional knowledge, the the experiences, the 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 everything from the knowledge of their territory to the the knowing where the bodies are buried. Uh, you know, and I remember not not understanding that when I was a kid. I remember my dad always telling me, "Promote, you got to promote, you got to promote." And I remember talking to senior firefighters like, "Why aren't you promoting? Why don't you want to be an officer?" And they're like, "Steve." I'm happy with what I'm doing. I'm good at what I'm doing. This is where I belong. And that is absolutely okay. So from our perspective, and like you were talking about the organization, how do we, and this is what I think about now, especially since professional development is under my purview, how do I take that person and make sure we are helping them develop professionally in the role that they're the best suited for? Are we giving them not only the training, but the opportunities to, like you say, advanced horizontally instead of vertically? That's a beautiful thing. And I think that's a great way to keep going with this conversation, that idea of horizontal versus vertical development. Um, but you said it You said it right there. It's okay to be a, a firefighter. It's okay to be a career firefighter. It's okay to be a career paramedic on a rescue truck. It's okay. That's absolutely fine if that's what your passion is and that's what you're good at. I think that um, some, some people lose sight of that. So I'm glad you, you, you started with that. Um, so you know, what should firefighters consider? Why should firefighters consider looking into advancing themselves in a professional capacity? What's the why there? A couple whys in terms of advancing from a professional perspective. First and foremost, from a personal perspective. And it's not about having a bunch of plaques on your home office or your work office that says, I accomplished this, I accomplished that. But one of the things that pushed me down that road of professional development and, and being a student of the profession like yourself and, and like many others. You and I are not exceptions. We are part of the norm in the fire service. For those of us, so, so for those of us out there that will be listening to this podcast, Steve and I are not the exception. For every Steve and Damon, there's probably an additional 10,000, if not more. 
But getting back to it personally, uh, it brings me joy when I accomplish, and I'm not a big fan of using the word I, but I'm going to use it here, when I accomplish certain things. So then later on, I can take that. And when I am having a conversation with a young man, a young man or young woman who is aspiring to get into the fire service or who's currently in the fire service, what better way to motivate him or her towards advancing professionally when you could say part of that conversation, these are some of the things that I did and this is how these things help me. Therefore, I'm encouraging you to do the same as well. So that's the personal piece. Now, getting back, looking at it from a collective perspective or from a team perspective, the why of this continual professional development and really important is that it just may save a life. When I say save a life, I'm talking about our lives as professional firefighters. When you are out there constantly engaging and training and educational opportunities or professional development opportunities, when we look at it from a holistic perspective, you're setting yourself up and your organization up to enhance the opportunities for those men and women to go home in the same capacity that they came to work. Have a healthy career, 25, 30, 35 year career in the fire service or something greater than that. And last but not least, as Chief Simon always says, to retire with dignity. The third why of professional development. We look at some of the great work in the fire service that's being conducted from the perspective of fire dynamics, fire behavior. We look at some of the great work that's being done as it relates to um, cancer, occupational cancer, the best strategies and tactics and avenues to reduce the likelihood of a member of the fire service from contracting occupational cancer. And that only happens through professional development. When we're out there constantly learning, reading, and sharing information with each other. And the key word is, it's about learning together, sharing, and then also applying. Chief, you mentioned earlier, you talked about early in your career, it was kind of that checkbox, that checkbox concept, checking this off to get a grade. Mm -hmm. I tell my um, students, um, I teach a graduate level course in public administration. And a lot of my conversations, and at first day of class, I tell them, the goal of this particular course right here is to marry theory with what the practitioner he or she needs to know and do. And so when we have conversations, because I'm dealing with professional students, which is just a fancy way of saying people who are working and they're going to school, those individuals, they need skills, concepts, thoughts, ideas that they can take back to their respective organization and make it that much better. And then my fourth reason as to the importance behind the why of comprehensive professional development is that we all have a responsibility individually and collectively to make our organization grow in some cases, force them, volunteer, influence, coerce, whatever term you want to attach to it and to go from good to great or from great to exceptional. And then to me, the gold standard is 
ultimately become a world-class organization. And sometimes, you know, in early in my career, when Chief Simon was here, some individuals made a mockery of that world-class organization. Well, you know, we're already a world-class organization. And, and while that may be true, we cannot remain stagnant. We have to find those opportunities to be innovative, to develop and grow, because that's what the fire service needs. If we did not have great learners, leaders, and teachers in the organization, such as yourself, Steve, and many others, I would often wonder, where would we be today? Professionally, where would we be today in terms of strategies and tactics and task level activities? Where would we be today in terms of technology that's now in the fire service? Where would we be today in terms of what we know and how we operate from an emergency management perspective? And, and last but not least, where would we be today from an EMS perspective? If we just take one, if, if we just take EMS alone, EMS, we take our protocols, algorithms, whatever you want to call them in terms of how to treat someone with chest pain. That's not based on, Steve, what I think or what you think, an individual who, who is experiencing chest pain. is It's based on evidence-based research, empirical-based or empirical-rooted research that identify or has identified the best way or the most appropriate way to treat a patient. And I see that now entering the fire side of what we do in terms of tactics and task level activities that's based on empirical evidence, research, that something's been well thought up, been well thought out, and applied in a controlled environment, and now we're using in the real world. So those are all the reasons why we have to have a continued, and I underscore the word continued, because I don't want anyone to come back and say, well, DeMond, we're already doing those things in our organization. And if you are, that's great. Please continue doing those great things. Now, for those of us who belong to organizations where it's hit or miss, it comes and goes, or in worst case scenario, your organization is not doing that, then folks in the fire service we have to gravitate towards comprehensive professional development, those things that have been part of the fire service since its inception, as well as those things that are new to the fire service and that we now have to hone in on. It's, I think we could spend the rest of the day talking on what you just unpacked right there, but a couple of things. One, your last comment on continuing to do good. In, in doing some research already uh, for my agency and for this just this podcast alone, I was actually very pleased to see a lot of what's being done by a lot of organizations out there in terms of both the horizontal and the, the vertical development, a structured plan. Uh, I was actually very pleased to see that a lot of a, a lot of agencies have taken this seriously. And that's a good thing because whoever's listening to this podcast understand that there are people out there that want to share this with you. Myself, Damon included, we have information, we have great information that's been uh, produced that's helping us right now becoming as as you say the, to striving to become world-class organizations so if you're not doing it there are tons of resources out there that want to help you out with that another thing you said in terms of that uh, that idea of world-class organization it's wonderful to have that that statement of yes we want to be a world-class organization and that's a great vision 
And then what we're talking about here is part of that vision. It's the deployable tactics. It's the it's what needs to be done to get to being that. In other words, you can say world-class organizational data. What does that look like? And this right here, what we're talking about is the guts of it. That brings you closer to that. So I'm glad you talked about that vision. Um, a lot of what you talked about um, in terms of it's our responsibility to not only help us get from good to great to exceptional, then like the world-class, but helping our own. Uh, you know, my new fire chief, Steve Golan, his, his platform has been servant leadership, servant leadership. And I've taken the opportunity to do some extra research on that topic and read some books on it. But essentially what you're talking about is just that. It's serving our folk. It's making sure that we help them develop professionally in all aspects so that when they're not only through their career, but when they retire, that they can enjoy whatever's next that much, that much more uh, efficiently better, whether it's seeking another job in the fire service, seeking a job in the private sector, chilling out and relaxing, enjoying your pension, whatever that looks like. But that, that's what my mind goes to in terms of this idea of developing professionally. They're professionals, and our job is to help them, guide them, to help them develop over time. Not just, okay, you're done with year one, you got what you need for the next 30 years. Uh-uh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's not much about it's not just about here, here's your 30 CEUs for two years, or you're checking the box from your, your LMS use for training. It's about what can we do to keep getting you better all the time? That's where my mind gravitates towards. So you put a lot on there, man. And and I'm I, I it's it's a good conversation. I'm trying to I'm trying to stick with a somewhat of a narrative because I could think you and I could probably take that and just keep going all day like we usually do. <laughs> and Steve, but, just to add a component to that, since you're talking about leadership and that's another area of the fire service where, you know, that, that that small group again who will say that we put too much emphasis on leadership and not an emphasis on tactics and task level activities. Once again, folks, I do not know of one fire chief in the fire service who has stated or who has the belief that leadership is more important than the hands-on portion of what we do. They're all important. That leadership piece, we also have to emphasize that leadership only happens when we have good followership and good management. Those three are joined at the hip. So think about that current and future company officers and chief officers, leadership, management, and followership, those all have to be in line. And if they're not, the organization will suffer in some capacity. Absolutely. And in worst case scenario, it will lead to a death of a firefighter. And without naming any names, there are, unfortunately, a few fire chiefs recently have had to resign been forced out of, from their organization, not so much because of poor leadership on their part, but at some aspect or some part of the organization, there has been poor leadership, poor management, and the absence of good followership. Mm. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Um, you, you have your doctorate. So let me ask you this. Um, and by the way, I, I've talked to my wife about maybe pursuing my doctorate. She kind of looked at me like I had a banana growing on my forehead. So that's another talk for another day. 
but let me ask this. What drove you to go that high in your educational path and, and how has that benefited you and the organization? So before I, I, I answer that question, my pursuit was not about being able to go around and call myself Dr. Simmons. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, for a long time, a lot of individuals in my organization didn't even know that I had accomplished that. that was, I was proud of what I accomplished, but that was not the goal. And to this day, my own mother does not know that I own, that I <laughs> completed my, uh, my doctorate degree. And she and I have to talk three or four times a week. So putting that to the side. So once again, so folks, uh, to me, what drove me was number one is that growing up, I always enjoyed learning. During the summers, I used to go back home to Michigan and I would stay with my grandmother and my grandfather. My grandfather, in addition to working in the factories in in, uh, Michigan, he was also an associate uh, pastor and he was always reading the Bible. And my grandmother, she would be upstairs doing the same thing. So the more I enjoyed reading, my mom, she always emphasized learning. You know, we had to get good grades. And I enjoyed going to school up until about my last two years of high school. I was always a good student. And my last two years, I kind of became a um, underachiever. And that's just a nice, a nice way of saying that um, I started doing bad stuff and I had to get back on track. But so what pursued me was what what pushed me was number one is that I wanted to do something so that down the road that I could share with my kids, my my, my nieces and nephews, the importance of education. Because I can't say um, to my niece, for example, right now, she's a, a second year student at, out there in Florida at um, Bethune-Cookman University, uh, Historical Black College and University. You need to do this. And her uncle has not done it. And then number two, my reason for pursuing it is that I wanted more young men and women in my organization to do the same. So quite naturally, what happens now is that I'll have new firefighters and come up to me and say, Damon, chief, I'm thinking about going back to school. I stop on there and say, I don't want you to think I want you to do. And they know my story. And oftentimes, because they know my story, they feel comfortable coming to me. Because we, Steve, we know in the fire service, you know, when individuals are are pursuing their higher education for reasons other than it's a minimum requirement for promotion that they're often frowned upon. You know, why are you doing that? You know, you don't need a degree to put out a fire. We've all heard that, and that's been said at every fire at, at every coffee table all across the world. And so for me, having accomplished that, today, a lot of young men and women in my organization are not necessarily pursuing a doctorate degree, but they're pursuing their bachelor's degree, their master's degree. And because one of their chief officers has accomplished that, they see it as something that's being okay. Yep. It's relevant. And then the last reason for pursuing that was because, and you're probably going to think I'm crazy when I say this, I'm at the halfway point of my career in the fire service. So as Steve mentioned in the bio, I have 26 years, and and gosh, those 26 years go by fast. 
I, you know, we got a recruit class that's getting ready to come in in a few weeks, and I'm jealous. And I'm jealous in the sense that I wish I was part of that class. You know, all, all the good and bad that I've dealt with over the 26 years, uh, I don't want to exclude that. I want to keep that and start back over from day one again. Mm-hmm. But um, in order to remain in the fire service for 50 years, you have to be relevant. And the only way to be relevant in the fire service at year 20, at year 30, or year 40, is that you have to be a student of the profession. You have to, whether it's through formal education or informal education, you have to be, you have to be a student of the profession. So for me, those were some of the reasons why I pursued it. And then last but not least, just because I had the time. And I say that is that I tell young men and women in the firehouse today, use those, in our case now it's 48 hours. We, you know, we work a two on four. When I first came on, we were one on two off. Mm-hmm. Use those 24 to 48 hours wisely. And I tell folks, one, what I don't want you to do is spend all day in your room. You need to socialize. You need to interact with your crew. That's very important. So once again, to that small group out there in the fire service, uh, you know, education and social media and smartphones is ruining the fire service. And, you know, you know, from a cultural perspective, from a perspective of teamwork um, to that group out there. And that's a whole nother conversation. But. Don't spend, don't have a routine of every evening that you're on shift after lunch or obviously after dinner, it's movie hour. And movie hour is four and five, six hours long. Hang out, socialize, earn, share information, but use a couple hours during the evening in your room to read, study, write. Mm-hmm. Look at read case studies, analyze those case studies, LODDs, near misses. And if you're going to school, use those few hours to read and study. We are one of the very few professions where an individual, he or she can basically get paid to go to school. How many other professions can you sit (laughs) in your office place and work on your degree? Yeah, forget that and, sometimes. And, yeah, and it not be frowned upon, mm-hmm. or it not get in the way of your general general responsibilities. Yep. So those were all the reasons why I pursued a doctorate degree, is to influence, motivate, and encourage young men and women, as well as older individuals. Because you know you can't discriminate based on age. To <laughs> say yes, education is important. Yes, this is still a blue collar profession. However, that does not mean that we remain stagnant as professional firefighters. And Dr. Dennis O'Neill, he does it. And if you go to the United States Fire Administration Administration website, there's a, a great presentation that he has on there where he talks about those concepts training, education, experiences, as well as formal education and professional development. Those are essential. 
And obviously with him being from the um, East Coast and having that Jersey City accent, he does it a lot more eloquently in how he explains it. And in the context of Johnny, who the guys think should be the fire chief. It's, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I share a similar drive to, for my educational, like, for example, I, I have a bachelor's degree in chemistry and I have an RN. I didn't do that for the accolades. I was trying to do my job better. And for me, the way I saw it is when I started getting into the fire service, I wanted to be a hazmat tech. I wanted to be the best hazmat tech I could. So I rose, I rose a personal bar to go after some additional training and additional education, like the, the chemistry degree. Now, after a certain time, when everything is mathematics, you can't do balls and sticks models and, and with organic chemistry like you can in, in PCAM. It's like, I can't even do anything with this anymore. It's not benefiting the fire service anymore, so I'm moving on. And same thing with the RN. The reason I got my nursing is because I wanted to be a better medically trained medic. I wanted to do the job better at the highest level I could. So I started thinking about that. Um, and it was so in the beginning, years ago, it was more of a personal thing. But then I realized after I got like my RN, for example, when I went to get my RN those two years, you can imagine the the, the conversations the guys at the kitchen table I had with me. They were they would make fun of me up and down. But after I was done, they're like, hey, man, can I talk to you for a second? Hey, where did you go? Can I talk to somebody about that? It was almost as if it was like, OK, now for them to to, to want to go after that. And, and oftentimes um, it was probably one on one. They would they would catch you when no one else was around. Oh, and one hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. And what that tells you, no matter whether you are in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, or in Oakland, California, it's still the same mindset amongst us, good, bad, or indifferent. So once again, for those for those of us who who are listening to this podcast, is that you know those takeaways. It's okay to go back to school. It's okay to continue your education. Do not be influenced by what's going to be said to you at the coffee table. Because oftentimes those individuals who are naysayers or Steve, you know, you know, why is Steve going back to get an RN degree? How is that going to make him a better firefighter? And what happens? Those individuals catch you when no one else around. Hey, Chief. Hey, Chief. Hey, Cap. Uh, can you tell me more about that program? What do I need to do? <laughs> like what happens? Oh, yeah. Another word you mentioned was relevant. I think that's a very, very powerful word in terms of, of um, our ability to influence. And maintaining relevancy is something that it needs it, it needs to be in our forefront as educators, as trainers, as leaders, as influencers, because every so often and I'm, not, I'm trying to I'm going to drop names or whatever. But you see those out there that have perhaps lost that relevance and they haven't noticed it. And yet they're still out there either in some capacity, teaching, writing, and nobody's remind, you know, nobody's told them, hey, by the way, you know, <laughs> they, they've unintentionally lost their relevance. And it's it's unfortunate that it happens. So being intentional about staying relevant, keeping yourself educated um, is important. And that could be another conversation. For I'm glad you mentioned that yeah. word, though. Yeah. Let, me, let me ask you, um, there's a couple of, of resources out there. And I got a guy who uh, emailed me prior to this conversation. His name is um, uh, William Off from Southampton, New Jersey. And he just completed an article that will be available in May for fire engineering on resources that are free for us out there, like federally funded resources, National Fire Academy resource, online resources. And in the article coming out of May, he mentioned a bunch of them. But 
uh, when he wrote this to me, it was very ironic. This is going to be something we talked about. And I remember recently taking some of these DHS funded courses, whether they were in Socorro, New Mexico for Emertech or um, uh, uh, let's see, uh, in Vegas for the, uh, the the RAD class or Anderson, Alabama uh, or wherever. And I, I mean, they were free. I, I didn't pay a cent. All I had to do was get a day off and they flew you out there, gave you the training. It was some of the best training I've ever had. Um, and uh, I wonder why don't I don't see more people doing those classes and attending more of those classes. And granted, they fill up, but I don't hear a lot of vibe about that. So what's your um, thoughts on some of those, everything from the National Fire Academy to these DHS funded courses or, or those? What are your thoughts on those? So my thought is simple. Take advantage of those opportunities. And just as you mentioned, while technically, yes, they're free, but technically our tax dollars are paying for us to be able to, to uh, attend many of those classes. One of them, um, like you mentioned, Department of Homeland Security, the National Fire Academy. And that's where, Steve, it's our responsibilities as company and chief officers in the fire service, as individuals who, who value education, to have those conversations with the men and women in our respective organizations. Example here, I'm out here in California, and unfortunately, and I'm I I don't have a problem saying this, but a lot of individuals in my organization have never attended the National Fire Academy. As example, know nothing about it. So every chance I get to promote the National Fire Academy to the men and women in my organization, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. And once again, you and I are not exceptions. For every Demond and Steve that's out there, there's thousands of others that are doing the same. So mm-hmm. what we have to do as leaders, managers, influencers in the fire service is to continue promoting that. Make mm-hmm. that part of that academy experience. In addition to X amount of weeks of throwing ladders, pulling hose, have a day, have two days, have a week where we talk about what does comprehensive professional development look like? Will we talk about those resources out, that are out there to you, Department of Homeland Security? We have another one here. It's, it's tied to the feds, um, UWASI, Urban Area Security Initiative. Mm-hmm. And they too provide free training opportunities, law enforcement, fire, emergency management. And that's my hope. It's no different than now in the current Firefighter One curriculum. You have a section where we talk about occupational cancer, what we need to do versus not do to set us up for for success in that realm. And that's where we need to go next. In setting that up in the academy to where we talk about what professional development looks like. So for our listeners out there, There are a slew of opportunities in terms of training and education that are free. And there are also some great training and education opportunities out there that are relatively inexpensive. Now, we know, unfortunately, not everyone can go to FDIC. Oftentimes, money and the inability to get time off from work are showstoppers. I understand that. There are a lot of regional conferences that for the last few years and definitely uh, when we were in this COVID period that have popped up. Now, in terms of size, they don't necessarily rival that of Firehouse. 
and FDIC, but in terms of relevancy, mm-hmm. in terms of acquiring training and education and overall professional development that can be beneficial to you, your company, your battalion, and your organization, they're definitely out there. Fire Nuggets, which was started by two members from the San Jose and San Francisco, California Fire Departments, now being led by a couple individuals from the city of Berkeley, which borders the city of Oakland out here in Northern California. They are doing great work on a national level to bring in individuals to talk about a number of different topics. And Steve, you mentioned that piece about being some individuals out there that are still teaching. Obviously, you know, for professional reasons, you know, we're not going to name any names, but for our listeners out there who are passionate about teaching, while you are still actively part of the fire service, and then once you retire, in order to remain relevant, you have to be a student of the profession. Mm-hmm. You have to be adaptable. And we look at some of the great work that the individuals from UL and NIST have done as it relates to fire behavior and fire dynamics. They have taken us um, leaps and bounds ahead a number of years. They have saved a number of lives. Mm-hmm. And that's where we need to continue going. And I underscore the word continue going. I, I, I'll say two things on, on this conversation. One, I mentioned the article. Um, just, just so I put it out there for people that are listening, uh, you know, fire engineering specifically, we're always looking for articles. And uh, Chief Halton, before we pass, and now um, with Chief Rhodes, there's always a constant reminder of people, hey, listen, we're looking for articles. So if you have an idea, please, 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 if you're passionate about something, write that in an article, send it through channels, and let us take a look at it. We we definitely are, are, are craving more content, especially for those that maybe haven't written something. Put yourself out there. Write something that you're passionate about. Let us comb through it and, and see if we can use it. Second thing is um, you mentioned opportunities. Uh, in terms of tactics, in terms of tactical takeaways, and using some of these free forces, years ago when I had my first firehouse, um, I told the, the folk at the firehouse, hey, listen, there's this free course out there over in, uh, I think this was in one in Vegas. And um, I said, listen, let's go. All we got to do is get a day off. We'll go together and we'll and and we'll go. And it turns out it ended up only being me and another uh, firefighter of mine at the time. But the time we got to go out there was a team building exercise. So not only did we have a great class taught by amazing, amazing instructors, it was a shared experience. And it brought me and that person together a lot more as a team member and friends up until this day. So for those looking for ways to do team building activities up until things like these, they're wonderful opportunities. If you can get the whole crew to go to one of these classes, locally, abroad, whatever, that's that's an example of team building. So just so you know, and it's cheap because these are federally funded. Some of these are are nothing out of your nothing out of your pocket except getting a day off. I think you can manage that. Yeah. And um, Steve, adding on to that, you know, in addition to the team building, another important pickup from this is the networking opportunity. Use you and I, you use you and I as an example. If I stayed in my silo, Oakland Fire Department, mm. and you stayed in your silo, Fort Lauderdale Fire Department, you and I would not have the professional relationship that we have today. And so I tell folks, go out there and see what others are doing. 
Now, are we going to agree on everything? <clears throat> Absolutely not. But you put yourself out there. You also get a chance to network with other individuals and build professional relationships that, once again, if we stayed in our silos, you would have the same mindset in Fort Lauderdale and I would have the same mindset in Oakland. And yeah. I'm, I'm, scra- I'm still scratching my head on this as you attend conferences and, and workshops and seminars across the nation and, and, and I as well. I'm often saddened by those big city fire departments, those what individuals would say the aggressive or busy fire departments. A lot of those individuals are not there and they kind of they operate in these silos. And folks, we cannot continue operating in silos. Big city fire departments, you have a lot to share with midsize and smaller organizations. You also can learn from small and mid-sized organizations Absolutely. as well. So it's, you know, it's a two-way, it's a transactional relationship, as they would yeah. say. Yeah, because a lot of the smaller organizations, they have to work with the, the, what they have. So they have to, they don't have the, the mass amounts of trucks and apparatus and equipment that we do. They have to figure out how to make it work. So there's a lot of innovation that comes from them and a lot of ways to make things work that you didn't think of because you're maybe, quote unquote, spoiled with all of the resources you have. So that's a good thing you brought that up. Um, So we talked about a bunch of tactical, practical takeaways, but let's just dive into maybe a couple more. Like, for example, um, as an example of my previous uh, one of my chiefs with that were with uh, Garrett, he sent out because he was the professional standards chief before uh, or still is. And I'm working with him right now a few years, a couple of years ago. He sent out a info bulletin and an email basically explaining to everybody that over the next seven years, we're losing this many people. And he basically mapped out for people what that looked like. And just that awareness uh, of making people aware of what the future looked like was enough to drive a lot of people to not only grab training and take seminars and prepare themselves, but take promotional tests. So just the awareness alone drove people to, to it, it woke them up, let's put it that way. And they realized, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize how much is happening. I better get on this. So are there any other tactical takeaways we can talk about in terms of encouraging professional development? So first of all, Chief Garrett, thank you for what you have done for the men and women of Fort Lauderdale Fire Department. And thank you for what you will continue to do, because that's monumental. Steve and I, you and I, we were prior to um, launching and recording, we were talking about succession planning, succession management. If you go to the National Fire Academy and and preview uh, EFO papers, there are a bunch of research articles on succession planning, succession management. Quite frankly, if I had to give a grade to the American Fire Service as a whole, we are probably at a strong D, that's D as in Delta. <laughs> Once again, as a whole, so I don't want anybody to say, well, how does this guy know? My fire department, we've had succession planning for 25 years and mm-hmm. it's been great. That's great. <laughs> I'm saying as a whole. So when we talk about these takeaways, number one, we have to continue to be executioners. And I was having this conversation with an individual organization. He was he he was referencing a well-known big city fire department in terms of what they have and what they're doing. And I said, yes, that's great. We will never have the resources in terms of people that they have. However, that organization 
They're able to do great things because they execute. They do. And whether you work for a one station fire department, 30 station fire department, or 100 station fire department, if we're not executing, we will always remain in the same position that we were yesterday. So that's one tactical takeaway is that we have to be executioners. As a good friend of mine who says he was um, um, interesting background, he says, Demond, these hands have saved many lives. He, interesting story, um, German Sierra retired from us, paramedic firefighter from El, um, El Salvador, fought in the Civil War there. We have to execute. And he always says, you can't just talk about it. You got to be about it. Got to be about it. We got to execute. So somebody told me once, and I don't know where this quote is from, but I think about it all the time, is that uh, success is 5% planning, but 95% execution or something along those lines. And I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm misquoting it, but I heard it somewhere and I always think about it. I can have the best laid out plan in the whole universe. But if I'm not deploying things, if I'm not executing, if I'm not doing, then it's a plan. It's nothing. Yeah. It's ether. Yeah. And, and whether um, you messed up that quote or not, it sounds good and I'm going to borrow it. <laughs> I got to look it up. I know where I got it from. Yeah. I don't want to I don't want to not give credit to where it's due. Yeah. Um, so we're coming up on um, somewhere around an hour, I suppose. So let me just ask a couple more questions here, man. Um, this is my favorite question. Uh what are your concerns in the fire service? In other words, what keeps you up at night? Now you make me going back to a recent uh, promotional oral board that I that I was a part of, and that question was asked of me. So, what keeps me up at night? No matter. So, two parts to that. So, to answer your question, now that I'm a deputy chief of support services. What keeps me up at night is number one, and this is true of all of us in the fire service, is getting that phone call saying there's been a significant firefighter injury or an LODD. And a couple of years ago, we responded to a high-rise fire and we had a near miss that almost resulted in the death of three firefighters. And since we're talking about training education, one individual relatively new member of the organization, because of continuous training and education in the realm of safety and survival that we had our members go through, he not only saved his life, but he also saved the lives of two other individuals, a company officer and a firefighter paramedic. So that's number one. Number two, what keeps me up at night is the men and women in the Oakland Fire Department not having the resources that they need, whether that we've had a vehicle accident and now we have two ladder trucks that are out of service. And yes, that has happened. In a span of a month or so, we had two accidents that resulted in three ladder trucks going out of service. And then number three, what keeps me up at night, and this is a recent event here in the city of Oakland, is that we were the victims of a ransomware attack. Mm. And 
are essential services, our software programs were rendered unusable. And the men and women in the fire stations, as well as our admin staff, could not do their job. I had vendors calling me, hey, Devon, where's our payment? Ma'am, I apologize, but our purchasing system is down. And the vendor, he or she, they, you know, they don't, you know, they don't want to hear that. They want their money. Mm-hmm. So those are the things that keep me up. And in no order of importance, because they're all important. Yeah. A call for an injury or death. As a matter of fact, this morning when I woke up, I had an email from four o'clock in the morning. There was a structural collapse here in the city of Oakland that resulted in a fatality. And then, and it was a civilian fatality. And that's not to say that because it was a, a civilian fatality, it's not important. It's important because as not only a firefighter here in the city of Oakland, but also a proud resident of the city of Oakland, you know, those things uh, impact us all. Many women not having the essential resources that they need to carry out their daily um, responsibility. And then last but not least, uh, us being victims, whether it's ransomware, the pandemic that we are still you know, going through to some degree, obviously not to the same degree as we were experiencing in 2021 and 22, but nevertheless, it's still there. Those are the things that keep us as as chief officers, company officers, and just generally speaking as members of the fire service up at night. Yeah, I, I appreciate those those thoughts. And, you know, it, it's, it, it, again, it's become my favorite question to see kind of what the concerns are, because if they're your concerns at your level, that's something we should just, you know, keep on our minds. And you mentioned like uh, injuries and line of duty deaths. Uh, I know that for us, we have a very robust program in place that that accounts for when that occurs. And it's it's one of those things that you don't want to have to be creating something when one of those yes. things happens. So yes. having things in place, having systems in place, having protocols, procedures that are there when you need them, like a like a like fire extinguisher. Something happens to have something to rely on as a bedrock or a, a platform to use. So. All right. So last question, and then we'll start closing this up. But from your perspective, let me ask you this. What is one of the greatest traits of leadership? Or, or, or you can list a few, but from your perspective, if you had to pick one, what would you say it was for you? Proverbial leadership question. So if I had to pick <laughs> one, I'm going to go with being a good leader among many things. He or she has to be a believer and a practitioner of inclusiveness. And when a leader, when he or she is inclusive, it's telling the organization that we value all of our employees in terms of their knowledge, their knowledge, their abilities and capabilities and what they have to offer to an organization. When a leader believes and practices inclusiveness, it brings a number of ideas to the table, a different set of conversations, and it leads to an organization being that much more effective, innovative, and it enhances 
all of our requisite responsibilities that need to be in place in terms of serving our respective community. Gotcha. If a leader, if a leader, if he or she is not inclusive, I don't care how many degrees you have on the wall. I don't care how many leadership books you have read, how many leadership books you have on your bookshelf. I don't care how many classes you've been through, been to. I don't care if you got CFO, CTO, ABC, DEF, XYZ behind your name. If you not or if you are not a believer and a practitioner of being inclusive, why are you in that leadership position? That's a good one. I, I have not heard that one yet, and I, I like that. There's a lot to unpack there as well in terms of that uh, idea that inclusiveness also spurs ideas and different conversations. I, I I I like that. So as we wrap this up, and is there any? And again, we're speaking to the audience. We're speaking to the people that are listening. Is there any final words that that you have in terms of what we've been talking about about the the need for professional development? What that looks like? What are your final thoughts on that? So a couple of them. So I, 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 first of all, I'll give a plug to both you and I. Where both you and I will be teaching at FBIC, right? Yep. Yes, sir. So individuals, make sure you stop by. Uh, I know it's going to be a but All the classes that are lined up are going to be great, and that's one of the downsides of FBIC is that it's <laughs> so many classes, and you can only be in one class at a time. So that's true. Choose wisely. So that's takeaway number one. If you can, make it out to FDIC. Number two, final closing is that in order for this profession to continue doing great things, and to our naysayers out there, that small group, I use the word continuing because we never stopped doing great things. We've never stopped focusing on our core responsibilities as they relate to EMS, as they relate to fire suppression. And then a third one I wanna add on there as takeaways is that we have to continue with a keen focus on all things community risk reduction. Now I'm a realist, no matter what efforts we put in place in terms of education and training, in terms of engineering. Unfortunately, bad stuff will continue to happen. We'll have to continue responding to fires and EMS calls and hazmat calls. But 2023 and beyond, let's put a, a, a heavy emphasis on community risk reduction efforts. And community risk reduction efforts helps our communities. And it also is a is a enhancer to firefighter safety and well-being. Once again, I'm a realist here. Bad stuff will continue to happen. Buildings will continue to catch on fire. Unfortunately, we will have buildings that will collapse from time to time. But we got to put a continued focus on community risk reduction. And then this final takeaway, which is tangential to our core theme here today in terms of personal and organizational professional development is that 
If your organization does not have a plan, contact Chief Shaw, get a copy of their plan. Quite confident he will have no problem sharing it with you. Contact me with the Oakland Fire Department and I'll share with you the comprehensive professional development plan that was put together by both labor and management. Mm. And if you don't want to do that, sit down as part of a labor management initiative and put together your own professional development program. As we talked about at the outset of this conversation, professional development is comprehensive and includes training and education, includes those things that we in the firehouses and fire stations have to know in terms of engine company operations, truck company operations, EMS operations, hazmat operations, but it also takes us one step further in those things that we don't necessarily think about or use every day. Good written communication skills, good oral communication skills. Yeah. Um, understanding how other departments and divisions that make up our local or county government assist us. As division chief and as a deputy chief of, of support services, I work with a lot of civilians now. I work with a lot of other departments now, the planning department. Uh, the 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 housing department, the health department, things that as a company officer, I didn't necessarily think about. And which is my final point, those of us who have a desire one day to go to a office position or a 40 hour position, as we like to say in, in the fire service, is that know that there is a difference between the two. Still the same mission. Uh, but I tell folks sometimes when the office, when I'm working, I used to have a, um, uh, he's a now a chief. He's actually the um, number two in command. Now at the time he was, um, he was a captain. I was a chief. He was like, Devon, your office is always shut. And I would say, well, at the train, at the, down in the train department, a lot of folks come through. When I need to get work done, sometimes I have to shut the door because otherwise folks come in. And once again, because of how we act in the firehouse and because as individuals in the fire service, we love to communicate, talk, gossip, all that other good stuff. That sometimes I have firefighters come into the office and just sit down like they're in the firehouse. And I was say, hey, I would love to converse with you and find out, hey, what's going on out there? But guess what? I got deadlines <laughs> that... Yeah that I can't say I'll get next shift or I got deadlines where I can't say, well, chief, I couldn't get it done because we had 15 EMS calls or we had two structure fires. Mm -hmm. That excuse is not going to work at my level anymore. <laughs> now, if there's a major emergency, you know, there's a ransomware attack and I don't have access to services, then I, then I got a valid excuse. But those are my takeaways. But last but not least, and I, I know I've said that in the last thing, but the last but not least, my final takeaway is that that continue being a student of the profession, both through informal channels and through formal channels. Well, that's a perfect way to wrap this up, man. So, 
in, in reviewing all this, uh, as we wrap this up, I think we, we covered a lot of ground today. And just uh, there's some notes here I'd like to just just summarize here. First of all, we talked about the idea of training versus professional development, how both are, are important. And we talked about horizontal versus vertical and the fact that it's okay to be a career firefighter. Uh, but that doesn't neglect the fact that we still provide professional development for that, even that professional firefighter across the board at their rank, more so than in the vertical path. But that both are important. Um, you, you mentioned um, advancement. We talked a little bit about a variety of things. Um, I love the idea of doing this in terms of servant leadership, in terms of for our people, developing them professionally for a variety of reasons, both while they're on the job and then helping them to transition when the job is over. That was a powerful uh, discussion. Um, I, I like the word relevant. I think I'm going to be, as I walk away with this conversation, that idea of relevancy is something I'm going to just uh, do some more uh, thinking on, to be to say lightly. Um, I think that uh, you mentioned the, ex I don't know if you said this exactly, but for guys like us, people like us in the fire service going to school, developing themselves, it's almost like you give permission for it to be done. You're setting an example, and then by deploying it, by executing based on that education or professional development, you show the value of it. So there's a lot to be said in the example we set by not only doing the extra work, but what do we do with it, the execution part of that. Um, uh, you mentioned Dennis O'Neill's video uh, from the National Fire Academy, I think it was. That's a good video. If, you have, if you're listening to this and you have a chance to look at Dennis O'Neill's video um, from the way he describes the, the idea of professional development, great video. I'm glad you, you mentioned that one. Um, and just uh, like I said, we talked about the idea of uh, articles that fire engineering needs and and, and um, just uh, the fact that in terms of leadership traits, uh, the inclusiveness. I like that you mentioned that and we dive, dove into the idea that inclusiveness also breeds things like different ideas and different conversations that maybe we're not used to. I like that. So listen, man, um, this has been a good conversation and I'm glad yeah. we were able to tailor it to maybe just over an hour because we definitely go deep with this. But exactly. um, as, as Demond said, um, you know, we're resources. Uh, there's a tons of resources out there to, to go further with this if you're interested in terms of career development, in terms of succession planning, in terms of professional development. You know, people like us are out there. We'd love to, to talk and continue these conversations, whether it's emails, text, whatever. So um, so thank you, Demond, for, for the conversation. It's been a pleasure and an honor. Thank you, sir. And thank you for those who are listening and go out and apply it. So uh, as we wrap up, just a reminder, FDIC is next month. We hope to see some of you there. Um, I want to thank Fire Engineering for giving us this platform. I want to thank my fire department, Fort Lauderdale Fire Rescue, for allowing me to continue to explore the space on this platform. And um, I guess we will see you all either next month at FDIC or next month in the next podcast. So everybody have a wonderful day and God bless and we'll see you soon. Take care.